We are in Champions League, man. That was my Dilly din, dilly dong, come on. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. This is the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast with Gary Kearney. Hello and welcome to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. My name is Gary Kearney. First off, I want to say a big thank you to all the coaches who reached out on social media of every different platform over the past week. We had a new arrival in the family, Danny Kearney. So all is well really really exciting stuff and i appreciate everyone who's who sent a message by by twitter facebook text whatever it was really really appreciated so um also a big thank you goes out to all the coaches who were anxiously awaiting the individual development webinar series that i had scheduled for that day with oliver cage uh we have reschedule the date for friday october 5th so that's coming up ollie is sharing a lot of his work with houston dash who recently won the mls open cup last week and then i'll be looking at the individual development side with the recent season a couple of case studies from the chicago red stars as well so really really excited about it uh, there's still time to register if you want to sign up. There's three webinars in total. There's going to be a lot of content related to every level. And then there's also going to be a lot of interaction with coaches as well. So if you want to sign up, if you're interested, you can go to the MSC Education Twitter page. And there's a link directly there as well. So the guest for today's podcast is goalkeeping legend Shaka Hislop. I'm sure everyone knows who he is. He's played in the Premier League with Newcastle, West Ham, Portsmouth. He played in the World Cup with Trinidad and Tobago. He now works as a commentator with ESPN. Really, really interested to speak to him about a few things. He played in an era where it was really entertaining and free-flowing football. I wanted to get his thoughts on comparing the coaching between that era and the coaching in today's era of tactical geniuses. I also wanted to get his thoughts on goalkeeper coaching. Again, different era. He grew up in an era without the technology, without the analysis. How did he get feedback? How did he work through games with his goalkeeper coach? What role did they have? And then I wanted to get his thoughts on the US game. He's so heavily involved over here. I wanted to get his thoughts on coach development. I wanted to get his thoughts on player development and, and Shaka's different classes. This is a short one, but it's a really, really good one. Shaka was, was first class with his time and his insight, and I think you'll enjoy it. So as always, please, please let me know what you think, what you agreed with, what you enjoyed, what you didn't agree with on Twitter at Gary Kernane, on Instagram at Gary Kernane. Give it a little five-star like on the iTunes page. As always, really appreciate you spreading the word of the podcast and appreciate you listening. Here's Shaka. Enjoy. Shaka, thanks so much for joining me this morning on the Modern Soccer Coach podcast. Excited to have you on. Thank you very much for having me. Good to be here. First question for you. You played under two of the, the greatest man-managers in English football, Harry Redknapp and Kevin Keegan. Do you think that in today's era of, of these super tactics that we overlook the importance of personality and coaches? Yeah, I think we do. Um, you know, I, I think, the, the, in my opinion, the greatest coach, certainly at the highest level, is to 
get the best best out of those players, um, which is, is something that High Redknapp did throughout his career, and, and Kevin Keegan also had a lot of success with. Um, you know, I, I also accept that the game has, has moved on from from uh, where it was when I played under under both of those managers. Um, managers have, have become more coaches now, and and that philosophy that that they bring to the training ground. Um, Shows shows on 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 match day. Um, at the same time, you know, despite seemingly endless budgets, um, I still think one of the primary responsibilities for for any football manager or any football coach is to get the best out of those players. The solution isn't always to go out and buy somebody else. Did playing for those managers as a goalkeeper help you with less pressure? You know. It- and again, this is just pers- I'm going by perceptions only. It, it sounds like a, a pretty relaxed dressing room, plenty of laughs, not bombarded with information. Was it easier personally for you? Well, it, for for me, you know, um, it, it was different. Sydney in in styles under Kevin Keegan, who was very attack minded. Um, you know, there, there was a lot asked of, of of goalkeepers or defenders. Clean sheets weren't you know the the highest of, of priorities. Uh, but I, I, but at the same time with Harry Redknapp, I think there was a little bit more balance to it there. But at, at the same time, I, you know, certainly as a player, I, I related closest with the goalkeeper coach. I always felt that um, he kind of understood the pressures that, that goalkeepers were, were under. And they were a good bridge between me as a, as a player, as a goalkeeper, and, and the coaching staff. So... You know, as, as much as, as, you know, those voices you know, between Kevin Keegan and Harry Redknapp resonated loudest in the dressing room on a match day, during the week, it would, all, it would always be the goalkeeper coach, uh, Terry Geno at Newcastle United or John Burridge at Newcastle United um, and Les Elliott at, at West Ham and, under Harry. Um, those, those are the, the people that I, I kind of went to and lent on um, from, from you know, during, during the week, as I say. Yeah, you it was great for us as fans of that 90s era of attacking football, but I never thought of it from a goalkeeping point of view. Were you ever like, God, I wish we'd just sit and take a draw here today? Well, I, I, I'll be honest with you, Gary. That, that's, that wasn't in, in my own DNA, anyway. I was brought up to play the game. And, and I, I prefer to play in attacking teams. And it meant, yes, it meant conceding far too many and, and not as many clean sheets. And, and uh, you know, you... you your record or your CV didn't didn't read as as, as nicely as, as as maybe you would like, but at the same time, I, I think there's value even as a goalkeeper, as even as a goalkeeper conceding in playing with teams where everybody's enjoying it, the fans are enjoying it, the players are enjoying going out there week in week out. Yes, it it, it makes my job a little bit harder, but the environment is is so much better, and not just in match days, the environment all week and. and that's 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 the, the football I enjoyed watching as as a fan and as a player is is the football I enjoyed being a part of. Yeah, you mentioned those goalkeepers, um, Les Seeley and John Burridge, especially were were massive personalities, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what, what difference and what what specific areas did they help you the most? Um, well, Budgie was mad as a hatter straight, straight away. And and the, the one thing, you know, you, you take from that is 
nothing affected Butchie. You know, uh, it, it really did not matter. It was all water off a, off a duck's back. And it's an incredible attitude to have in, in life and, and uh, in, in sport, and in particular as, as a goalkeeper, because you're judged on, on, on your feelings as, as a goalkeeper. So, you know, to, to have that attitude where it doesn't matter and, and nothing ever seems to bother you, it's, it's, it's an asset like, like no other. Les, Les was, you know, more complete in, in, in his thinking. You know, at the same time, huge character, um, would let his feelings be known. Whether, you know, you were playing in, in, in front of him in, 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 on a starting 11 or, or you were being coached by him. You know, he, he, um, his presence was always there. And one thing I, I always appreciated with, with Les in particular is he, he would always have your back. Even when, you know, if the coaches were complaining about, you know, one thing or, or another, you know, maybe Shaka should have come for that cross or something of the sort, Les, Les would defend me. You know, he would, he would then come to me in, on, on the training ground on Monday or Tuesday or whatever it was, and we'd go over it and, and look at the video or whatever it may be and, and try to make an a, a analysis then. But, you know, he would always, he would always support you, always side with the goalkeeper. And, and I, always, I always thoroughly appreciated that. You mentioned there about the video. What what was the role? You know, there's so much now on analysis and and data. What was the role after games? Did did you guys look at the video? Did you go through it all again, or was it all done on the training ground? Uh, it, it was it was done on on uh, well at times we we'd have short video sessions. You also have to keep in mind, guys, the technology was a whole lot different back then. Mm. So you know we weren't able to isolate uh, incidents. You know, it would all be on on a VCR videotape. So it wasn't as, as, as seamless as it is now. And, and, and as a result, made for, you know, quite a, quite a tedious process at times trying to, you know, isolate one incident or, or the next, you know, even things like, you know, the, the pro zone or whatever it may be, um, it's come a long way in the last 20 years. So even that, you know, it's, 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 a, it's, it has, it has far more impact and, and it's easier to use now. So, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not just. We didn't just brush aside uh, video, video analysis. It just became, you know, trying to. There's only so much you could do in 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 the same amount of time. So we kind of spent. Um, we kind of go over some of the errors, but we all, always finish up. And this is every team I was in always finish up with with some of the positive things um, that 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 we did and the way forward. Uh, but th those all played a part. But again, you're trying to do the entire team for this, um, you know, in, in this one session or whatever it may be. And, and then it was left kind of to the goalkeeper coach and, and the goalkeeper to go over specific incidents, which a lot of time, you know, weren't caught on video for, for whatever reason. Again, keep in mind the technology back at the time was a whole lot different and generally just followed the ball. Yeah, it's interesting when you look at that era, again, an era that I grew up loving, there's so much advances in the science and the psychology and the video analysis. Mm -hmm. um, do you look back on any of that and think that would have helped me when I was younger? Or do you, are you kind of glad that it didn't get in the way? Uh, well, I, I accept it for what it is, in all honesty. You know, the, the, the truth is you start looking back on, on you know, times and, and, you know, time I played and, and, and making comparisons to now. But then you could also go the other way and, and look at, at, you know, maybe... David Seaman, when he was a, a young and up-and-coming goalkeeper, and and what you know he had to deal with, or, or, or those tools that that he had to do without, 
you know, so you kind of accept that. So it was when I played. I, I enjoyed every moment of it, and and you don't look back on on it with any kind of regret. Even even little incidents like that. Like I wish, I wish I had this. Or I wish I could uh, analyze that. You know, it. You take it for for, for what it is, and and um, you know. So I don't I don't kind of go over things in in my mind, and not in that manner. What about the role of a the goalkeeper coach during games, half times? Uh, how much did how much communication did you did you kind of dictate that you needed, or how much of it was well, this is what I'm going to tell you, and how, how was that balance, Scott? Well, I I, I would have liked a, a lot more, no honesty. But then you come in at halftime and especially more after, and and it was the manager's voice that, that you know you, you would hear. It was you know it was his dressing room, and he would he would talk for as long as he wanted, and he would get the message across. To, to whoever he wanted, um, whether it was me as a goalkeeper or anybody else. And it was only when he was finished talking, if you had some time, um, you know, to, to go and have a quick chat with the goalkeeper coach before, you know, before the whistle went for, for the second half or, or whatever it was, you, you tried to make, make the most of, of that, you know. But again, that varied. You know, you're coming at halftime, 2-0 down, you know the manager is going to be talking well into the referee blowing the whistle for, to start the second half. You come in 2-0 up, you know, it, it's going to be a far more late back and you have a lot more time to to kind of stroll around, have a couple of chats, sit, you know, sit with the goalkeeper, coach, whatever it may be. So that, that varied from, from game to game and, and from um, and all depended on, on, you know, what the circumstance was. Uh, so many coaches today, Shaka, struggle with leadership and communication in their teams, and that's usually exposed on the defensive side of the ball. What do you think coaches can do a little bit more to bring out vocal and personality ways out of their goalkeepers, or do you think we're we're reading too much into the value of it as coaches? No, I, I think I think goalkeepers and and their voices need to be heard um, and and need to be encouraged. I, I think the the tendency certainly. When, when you think of young goalkeepers, is for young players in general, the the assumption is you're going to hear the the coach's voice on from from the sideline. Um, but more, you know, the way to, to bring out those 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 player voices on, on on the field is to have is to have less of of, of the coach's voice on on the sideline. Um, but at the same time, you know, coaches need to coach and, and to encourage players to. To young players to to make decisions, to be leaders, to change things as as they see it's it's happening on the field, uh, and it's only when when young players have that confidence um, in in recognizing those those incidents and recognizing when when things need to change, and and a confidence to to send that message in, you know through through the rest of the team during the game, you you hear those voices come louder and louder. As, as a goalkeeper myself, I, I felt it. It wasn't really me or, or my job to kind of recognize those patterns in, in terms of in terms of general play. I saw my role as as the eyes and the backs of defenders' heads. If there was a def- if there was a striker making a run around the back of the defender and he was aware, I wanted him just to make sure. I also felt that there is value in my talking, um, almost not necessarily to get over a particular message. But just to reassure the defenders that I am here, this is where I am. I think um, I, I think defenders just on the field, kind of focus on the game, hearing that voice and knowing, you know, kind of 
using um, that voice to, to judge exactly where they are in the park, exactly how far out of the box or how far away from the goal they are, exactly which side of the goal the defenders, the, the goalkeeper is standing on in case they have to make a back pass. Those things they kind of pick up on um, just by me seeing anything, you know. Well done. Just just keep an eye on the guy sneak, sneaking around. So something that may not have any real weight or any real value at the time, but it lets them know exactly where they are and what they need to do or what they may need to do at a time where things get a little bit hectic. You know, if, if all of a sudden a ball breaks uh, and a striker's running, you know, clear through, and that's not the time for them to kind of figure out, oh, this is where I am on the park, this is which side of the goal Shaq is on, or whatever it may be. Those things, those blanks you can fill in well ahead of time in case things do get hectic and, and they aren't, you aren't able to, to kind of make those assessments on the fly. I remember meeting you about 2004, 2005, down with a coach. No, I was about six or seven down the coach down in Florida. You were doing a coaching badge. All right, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. yeah. What, why did you opt life in, in front of the big screen instead of the touchline? Well, I, I mean, I started doing my coaching badges um, while I was still playing. So I, I started doing my, my UEFA-B license, uh, did my goalkeeper badges, then came over to the US, did those. And, and I'll be honest, Gary, the the, um, the opportunity at ESPN just kind of fell in my lap. I just retired from uh, from from FC Dallas and, and, and got a call asking if I'd come up and do a couple of shows. Um, I didn't have anything else to do. Uh, I'd retired just before the end of the MLS season because of injury. Didn't have much else to do. So I thought, okay, uh, you know, no, no problem there. I'll, I'll, I'll go do that. And, you know, make a long story short, eventually, you know, they called me back and, and said they wanted to offer me a, a, a full-time um, opportunity with, with ESPN. And the rest, as I say, is history. So it's not, it, it wasn't a decision I necessarily made consciously in, 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 uh, in that I wanted to be on, on TV. And uh, it, just, it just happened and, and I took that chance. Brilliant. If you were, if you, you know, if you were a goalkeeper coach right now, working for Mr. Klopp, what would your, what, how would you manage? You know, we're talking about that, the mistake that Alison Becker made a couple of weeks ago. How would you manage that? Well, you've got to encourage every goalkeeper to be who they are. Uh, I think it's 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 dangerous to start. Um, asking keepers, regardless of whether they're playing for Liverpool or the Premier League or playing for a, a local, you know, under-12 team, to, to be something that they're not. You know, I, I couldn't be David Seaman or Peter Schmeichel when I was playing as much as I, I would have liked to. I, I just couldn't. Um, that's not who I was physically. That's not who I was mentally. Um, I had to I had to find who I was and... and, and let that kind of come out in 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 how I played. Similarly for Alison, if if this is what you know he does, you know you've got well you you can't you can't discourage him from being that. You've got to be just a little bit more careful in doing that. And you've got to to uh, assess certain certain situations um, a little bit more carefully. And as as much as as much as Klopp or you and your instinct may may say. You know, keep the ball in play. Um, we got to pass out to the back. Sometimes, you know, just put it out. You know, and just just take the easy and and the cheap option, and then figure it out after that. 
I'm not saying make that your, your go-to every single time, um, but, but, but sometimes just give yourself that out. If you realize the guy's gotten a little bit too close to you, if you realize that you got the ball uh, caught under your feet, just tap it out for a corner and, and you know, we, we'll, we'll deal with that. You know, it doesn't always have to be, it doesn't always have to be perfect. Now, from, from being in the US so long, um, you've got a good gauge of what the culture is like over here. And we talk a lot about, you know, what the US culture should be taken from other countries. What do you think that our biggest strength here is on a football level? I think certainly in the US, and, and I also I went to college in the US, so I, I know I know the soccer scene from you know back in the in the mid eighties, early nineties through to today. So I, I, I you know I understand the changes and the developments that that um, that the game has made and, and continues to go through. I also have three kids who who currently play soccer, so I understand where the game is now. I, I was. I feel um, there is a huge value to to what the U.S. brings in terms of its organization and in terms of um, uh, and in terms of at times giving kids an opportunity to play the game. I, I think where uh, the U.S. is still trying to figure things out is how to give, how to extend that opportunity uh, at higher levels and and at, at older ages, so everybody could. Play for their town team at just certain age. Um, that's always there. Um, there's always a, a team locally that 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 kids can get to. Nobody has to travel that far really to, to find an opportunity to play the game. But to to have access to, to coaching at the highest level, even if even if it's it's you know close enough, not many can afford, and and the affordability is is something that that needs to be addressed. Uh, at, at the same time, and as much as I understand the value in kind of the organic development that many countries um, that many countries have and, and many kids are exposed to, where you know you're playing on the beaches of Brazil or you're playing in the parks in England or, or whatever it may be, I also feel that there's a value to the organisation that, that there is in the US. Um, but somehow you've got to find that balance. Uh, the challenge is in having in, in playing organizational uh, soccer as, as they do here in the U.S., allowing kids um, that time to, to freely express themselves where results may not matter, where the, the equivalent of there's one ball in the high school playground and everybody's just chasing the ball, not really a goal anywhere in sight, but that developed that that understanding uh, of the ball, that appreciation, uh, and that development of skill in in crowded areas, um, that somehow needs to filter in to to the everyday training. Because as as with the organization and the as good as it is to have the organized clubs, there is still a lot hinges on results. And, and understandably, you go out to play a game, everybody wants to know who wins and, and who loses. That's ingrained and almost comes natural to us. Um, but somehow we've got to find a way to allow kids that opportunity to play, to make mistakes, to have fun, to do nothing at all. And nobody's keeping count. Brilliant. Last one for you. Best player you played with? Best player I played with, and and I, I, I played with a lot of good players, Gary. I have to say, 
You can go through from Peter Beardsley, Les Ferdinand, uh, played with Davros Suka, Ian Wright, Stuart Pierce, Ian Rush, John Barnes. Um, and and the, the list continues. Um, Paolo Di Canio. Uh, um, but without question, the best player I played with, in, in, in my opinion, um, was Alan Shearer. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever seen a better finisher. And keep in mind, I played at national team level. I played at junior national team level all the way through to the senior team with the likes of Dwight York and Russell Latvey. But I, I still feel Alan Shearer was cut above the rest, a cut above anything I, I'd experienced. You played with a Spreer? I played with Tino Spreer as well at Newcastle, yeah. How, how was he? He he was he was fun. I I mean he he was and and this is a value to um to a personality. Tino Aspria on the field is exactly how he was off it, and and that personality came through on the field. A lot of fun on and off the field. When he had the ball, you knew he was going to excite, um, and and that was 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 something fantastic to to be a part of. And as I say. Your personality off the field is is so often exactly what you get on it. What about at the other end then? Who who had your number or who gave you the most problems? Oh, that that's that's uh, that's an easy answer. Matt Letizia gave me the most problems in my career. Matt Letizia hit the ball, um, could do anything with the ball with exactly the same approach and exactly the same back. So as as a goalkeeper, you look at how somebody's coming onto the ball, you're looking at their eyes, at their back lift, their body shape, to try to figure out exactly what they're going to do uh, and exactly where the ball is going to go. For me, Matt Letizia had exactly the same approach, exactly the same back lift. I, he, could, he could pick up a ball 35 yards out and he could chip you or he could drill it all along, you know, just six inches off the deck into the bottom corner and you had no idea what he was going to do until that ball left his, left his foot. And that made life terrible for, for me as a goalkeeper. Brilliant, brilliant. Shaka, thank you so much for your time. This has been first class. No problem at all. Thanks so much to Shaka there for his time and his insight. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. The big takeaway for me with that there, I don't do a lot of goalkeeper stuff. I don't proclaim to know much, much, if anything, about goalkeeping. But I am really interested in the leadership aspect of it and how we can get a little bit more vocal from goalkeepers and centre-backs and getting his thoughts is there. I, I thought he was actually going to dismiss the value of communication at the back because he's played in big games where St James's Park, there's 45, 50,000 people what information could you possibly get through to centre-backs that they didn't know already? So I didn't really expect him to be so strong on the communication piece, but I completely agree with him. And it's a it's such a simple but effective way. We should really be asking a little bit more on the small information side, on, on little things, little cues. I think maybe from a leadership point of view, from a coaching point of view, the type of communication we want from our goalkeepers, our centre-backs, our centre midfielders, we want the tactical instruction or we want this great piece of information them to pass on to one another. But for the most part, I think their confidence is not really high in delivering that there. Um, a lot of them don't see the game to the depth that a coach sees the game. So they can be reluctant on passing all that information. They can be quiet. But I think as coaches, we should be continually 
coaxing more in the information piece from it, even if it's shift, even if it's step, even if it's hearing each other's voice on the pitch is something that we should probably spend a little bit more time on in the training field. Um, having more voices from the players, having less voice from the coach at certain times would would allow them to grow in confidence in doing that and see the value in it as well. So it's a question that I get asked a lot at different stages is how do you improve communication in a team? But like anything, it's just increasing awareness. I didn't see the the simplicity that Shaka pointed towards from a goalkeeper's point of view. So it's something that I learned from that there. I uh, really enjoyed his perspective on, on the, the goalkeeper and coach and really the art of the art of coaching, which I've been saying for a few months now is is trying to get through in these podcasts is that, you know, the personality of the coach, the way the coach communicates, it just matters so much. And it's great to hear Shaka with with such respect for people like Kevin Keegan and Harry Redknapp for the way they communicated that they wanted football to be played and, and the way that they handled personalities is different class. So thanks so much to Shaka. Really enjoyed it. Um, please let me know your thoughts on it, as always, especially the goalkeeper contingent. We don't do an awful lot on, on modern soccer coach for the goalkeepers, so we'd love to hear your thoughts on that there one way or the other. Um, as always, yeah, let me know what you think. At Gary Kareen on Twitter, at Gary Kareen on Instagram. Feel free to reach out on email, gary at modernsoccercoach.com. With the season finishing in Chicago, there's a few exciting projects coming up. The first one, obviously, with the webinar with, with Oliver Gage is coming up on Friday, October 5th. Can't wait for that there. Share some information, share some work that, that we've been doing over the past six to nine months and interacting with the coaches. So thanks so much for listening. Always appreciate your support. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. For more coaching topics, sessions, and resources, head on over to Coach Kernine on Facebook or visit the website at www.modernsoccercoach.com. 